What is up, Hog fans? This is the House of Hog podcast, episode one. I'm your host, Connor Goodson, and we've got a lot to cover since it is game week for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yes, that's right. We have made it. It is game week. The Arkansas Razorbacks will play a f- actual football game against an actual opponent this Saturday when they take on Western Carolina. To get us prepared for this game week, I've got five major storylines, five important things that we need to keep an eye on as the season uh, progresses, uh, things that I've noticed throughout fall camp that maybe be concerns that maybe we should be excited about, um, things of that nature. So we've got that in the show. I've also got a just a kind of overview of what I think Arkansas can do this season, where I think that they can finish, what's a realistic goal as far as records, and why it's important that we don't have another season like last year. And at the very end, I'll give my honest prediction on what I think Arkansas will finish this year and kind of what that means for the program. So we've got a lot to get into. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so as I mentioned in the opening, I've got five major storylines that we need to keep in mind and watch as the season progresses for Arkansas football. Uh, These five things are what I believe can separate Arkansas from being a team that just makes it to a bowl game, wins six or seven games, um, from a team that could actually compete and be that third third team in the SEC West that competes with the Alabamas, the LSUs, and wins nine or ten games and has a season that is really memorable and talked about for years to come. So these are those five things that really could help Arkansas take that next step and things that could keep them from taking that next step. Um, And really, it starts with the defensive line. And you've probably heard it time and time again in this offseason, but it is definitely the defensive line. This defensive line is easily the most talented defensive line top to bottom, and the deepest defensive line, those two in combination, the deepest and most talented defensive line that Arkansas has had in a long time. One of the major things that has separated Arkansas from competing with these elite teams in the SEC has been the depth up front, the size, the talent, and just having that throughout the two and three three deep of the roster. This year, that shouldn't be an issue. We've got nine seniors on the defensive line. Four of them are transfers with D1 experience. All four of those transfers have played against SEC competition. Um, and then you've got guys like Landon Jackson, Torian Carter. You've got Eric Gregory back, Deshaun Stewart. All of these guys are, without a doubt, SEC talent. And I'm not talking just, you know, guys at Vanderbilt and Kentucky and Teams like that would just be happy to have on the roster. No, these are guys that can go to Tennessee, go to Alabama, go to Auburn, go to Georgia. They could be in the rotation at those schools. I mean, Trajan Jeffcoat, they were able to get him away from Missouri, and he's pretty much, I mean, Sam Pittman said it last week, He is a he's a bad man. He's got the size. He's got the speed coming off the edge. Him and Landon Jackson get very comfortable seeing seven and number 40 because – those two guys are going to be difference makers. But the real difference in in this defensive line from defensive lines that we've had in the past are how deep it is. I mean, Sam Pittman talked about it. Deke Adams talked about it. They can have a, I mean, they've got four-man rotation where they just do a massive group swap and they don't really lose any production. I mean, when's the last time that you could say that about an Arkansas defensive line? In the modern history, I don't think that I've ever really seen a defensive line this deep and talented that can 
play with the rest of them. But we talked about the transfers. I mean, I know I went in on Trajan Jeffcoat because he's going to be someone that has the ability and the talent if he stays healthy to end up on quite a few awards lists at the end of the season. But you've also got John Morgan, a defensive end from Pittsburgh. You've got Tank Booker from Maryland. You've got Kiwi Rose from Louisiana Tech, who may not make the main rotation at the beginning of the season, but he's also someone that we should keep an eye on as who could definitely make some noise. And as far as returners, obviously Landon Jackson leads that group of returners as the guy who has made strides. I mean, just huge strides in his development from last year. But he leads that group of returning guys who were here last year. Torian Carter missed all of 2022 and throughout fall he has been turning heads he's gotten the starting nod on the depth chart so he will be starting in defensive tackle but he missed all of last year with a knee injury and really came back and hasn't missed a stride he's going to be a big time player and then you've got depth guys like Deshaun Stewart Cam Ball Cam Ball is someone who the defensive coaching staff is very very high on Um, they love his potential they love his just his tenacity and physicality that he plays with. And then you've got Zach Williams, who's another senior. You've got nine seniors on this defensive line uh, in the two deep. I mean, it is just, I'm amazed at what Deke Adams has done. His recruiting has really kind of gone on the radar, especially the transfer portal. And that's, that's a really good quality to have in a coach as someone who can go out and just recruit depth, quality depth, especially in the SEC. And that's the difference in, being able to be a team that is just happy with eight wins, nine wins occasionally, and the teams that are really trying to compete for championships and titles. And that's what Sam Pittman needs to do. And defensive line this year is the blueprint to that success that the rest of the coaches really kind of need to take note of. And this goes without saying a little off topic here, but this whole defensive staff, just the attitude of this whole defensive staff is just really – I'm very impressed with what Sam Pittman has brought in because I'm very high on Travis Williams, Marcus Woodson, and Deke Adams. All of those guys on the defensive staff, just they've been very impressive. But keep an eye on this defensive line group. The second thing that I think we need to watch is Arkansas's passing game. So we know what K.J. Jefferson can do. He's back for a third season. Um he is having to learn a new offense. There's going to be some growing pains in these first few games. Um, but what KJ can do is going to be decided by which weapons he has step up. We know that last year, Arkansas had Matt Landers, Jaden Hazelwood, and Trey Knox also stepped up, but he's with Dow Loggins in South Carolina now. So Arkansas is having to replace 72.5% of their total receiving production from last year. That ain't easy, but Kenny Guyton was able to go out and get two very highly rated transfers, Andrew Armstrong and Isaac Tesla. Now, those two guys throughout spring and fall camp, it has been pretty obvious that those guys are playmakers. Uh, Not only can either one of them go up and make a play, if it's in their direction, if it's in the vicinity, um, both of these guys can go up and get it, and that's kind of what you need, but Andrew Armstrong has a lot of speed that doesn't necessarily stand out on the camera, but it's it's raw speed that in the SEC, it's going to help him a lot. And now I, I say that because a lot of people, when these guys were recruited, you know, Andrew Armstrong is from Texas A&M Commerce. 
it's not a sexy school. It's not a sexy pipeline school to having success in the SEC. Um, Isaac Tesla is from Division II Hillsdale College. Again, not a sexy pipeline for someone that you know you're going to rely on to have a big role in the offense. But these guys aren't your average FCS Division II level talents. <clears throat> Kenny Guyton had mentioned it quite a few times in fall camp, just how blown away he was at Isaac Tesla's ability to just go up and get a ball whenever he needed to. Um, he, he was, I think he was featured like three or four times on the um, social media page. Andrew Armstrong, same thing. They were both featured making just these outrageous catches, um, beating their defender. And now that kind of comes with the territory, you know, everyone's going to be like, well, is that just because our secondary is so bad or is it because these guys are talented? And I mean, I don't really buy into any of that talk, but you know, I think it will speak for itself how good these guys are. But aside from those two guys, you've also got Isaiah Satania, who we didn't see much of at all last year. We saw him a little bit in the Liberty Bowl, but this kid has made just enormous strides in his production and his maturity level is something that Kenny Guyton had really, um, had really talked about being in that wide receiver room with him, just the things that he's, the questions he's asking in film, just his maturity and knowing what's going on. He's really, uh, he's really taken that next step as a sophomore. And so he's going to be someone, he actually got the starting nod over Bryce Stevens in the slot position. So we'll see Isaiah Satania a lot more this year because this kid is fast. He might not have the size to be that number one option, He's definitely not going to be the guy that you target in the red zone to go up and get it, but he's got breakaway speed that is going to be just, it's its a difference maker. Outside of that, you know, you've got Jaden Wilson, who was here last year. you got Tyrone Broden, who was a transfer from Bowling Green, and he was he really made a splash when Arkansas got him because He's six seven, and anytime you've got a guy who's six seven, he's he's not just six seven tall, but he's six seven with speed, um, and that's something that could be really enticing, especially in goal line situations or in the red zone when he's mismatched on a smaller corner. But you know he struggled with drops and practices and scrimmage, and uh, Jade Wilson just hasn't really made that step to be the starting the starting guy, but he's definitely someone that you could see crack into this, uh, crack into the rotation at some time. And then keep an eye for Davion Dozier. He's a 6'4 wide receiver who was a four-star recruit out of Alabama and part of this 2023 recruiting class, this last recruiting class. He is right now listed as the backup to Andrew Armstrong, and uh, he's got a lot of potential, someone that receivers coach Kenny Guyton is very very high on and someone that could really really shine and move up the depth chart with these opportunities in the first three games so keep an eye on him and then we kind of move to the tight end position which is you know earlier in the uh, offseason when I was doing my projected depth charts I really thought that Varquez Gums was going to just be head and shoulders the without a doubt starter coming into the season but one he's been banged up And two, he hasn't been really completely acclimated to the offense under Dan Enos. So that's kind of holding him back. Uh, The official depth chart, he's kind of third string. He's listed as third behind Luke Hawes, the freshman, and Francis Sherman, the transfer from Louisville. But to Luke Hawes' credit, the freshman is insanely talented and is going to impress a lot of people. 
he is just one of those guys that, you know, he could be a three or four year starter. I mean, as a true freshman, he's walking in here and he's already earned the starting nod. I mean, that kid is just, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got a good head on his shoulders. And that's really what Morgan Turner, the tight ends coach, has been super impressed with is how mature he is for a freshman and how he was able to just kind of jump in here and really just go about his business, but also kind of rise above the rest of the guys. You know, you've got a lot of guys like Ty Washington has been here. Nathan Bax has been here. Francis Sherman had spent four years at Louisville before transferring here. And now Luke Hawes is going to be primarily a passing threat and then Francis Sherman probably won't be much more than a blocker. I mean, he has like a handful of career receptions, only one touchdown in his career. So Francis Sherman is is strictly there to be a blocker, but it is kind of telling that he's ahead of Varquise Gums, who is coming off of a season where he earned all freshman conference USA team honors and was on the first team all-conference USA at North Texas. So it is kind of telling, a little concerning, but like I said, plenty of guys are going to get plenty of opportunities in this first three week, in these first three weeks, hopefully. Moving on to the offensive line. This has really been my concern from kind of, I don't want to say in spring, but I saw some questionable stuff. And then I also hearing Sam Pittman talk. I'm, I definitely trust Cody Kennedy and Sam Pittman but I'm very concerned about the tackle spot. You heard it in Sam Pittman's comments after the first scrimmage. He really called out the guys for their lack of pass protection. And the whole thing about Arkansas coming in this season is they've got KJ and Rocket returning. KJ can be an all-SEC quarterback. He can be an all-American. Without KJ Jefferson, we've seen how bad this team can struggle And we've also seen how bad this team can struggle when you don't give him time because he gets hurt. I mean, that's just not acceptable at this point, four years in from a head coach who has been nothing but an offensive line coach. You've got to be able to keep your valuable assets healthy. If they can't stay healthy because you can't get guys out there to block for them, it's really, really concerning. So I was very concerned hearing his comments about the lack of pass protection following their first scrimmage this fall. I will say it was a little bit better kind of seeing them bounce back the second scrimmage. And now, obviously, we didn't we don't see film. I'm not here watching film, so I don't know how bad or how good it is. I'm just I just know the situation on the depth chart, and I kind of know, you know, through four years of hearing Sam Pittman talk, it's pretty easy to make make heads or tails of kind of how bad or how good something is just by his gut feeling. Because the good thing about Sam Pittman is that he he's going to shoot straight with people. You know, if Arkansas did lousy during a practice, he's going to be the first one that comes out and you can kind of see it in his attitude. If he's short and upset, you can say, okay, well, there's some definitely some bad stuff went down, but you know, if he's jovial and joking around and being his old, old self, you know, things probably weren't as bad as they may be out to seem, but we'll see how this goes. My biggest concern is at the tackle spot. The interior is pretty good. I mean, You've got Bo Limmer, Brady Latham. This isn't their first rodeo. They're going to be, I mean, they're looked at as the leaders, the senior leaders on this team. Um, I know Brady Latham is banged up, battling a couple of different injuries, nagging injuries. So he will most likely play against Western Carolina, but wouldn't shock me to see him get limited work. Behind Latham is Josh Street, who just got put on scholarship. The Bentonville native was a walk-on but had made so many strides from spring to fall that 
once Arkansas had a scholarship open up, Sam Pittman was one of the first people to suggest streets. And so they gave him a scholarship. So he's on scholarship and we could see him getting a lot of run at guard um, this weekend for Brady Latham. Now, where I have some concerns is at the tackle spot. Um, obviously, you lose some seniority with Ricky Stromberg, Dalton Wagner, guys like that. It's going to be difficult to replace what they were able to bring. I mean, you're looking at four or five-year starters right there on the line. So they had to do some shuffling. And now you're relying on two young guys who Sam Pittman said this in media days. These guys are as talented as any guys that I've coached before. They're just not proven on Saturdays. And we've seen what guys can do in the SEC when they don't have experience going to Baton Rouge, going to Oxford, going to the Swamp, going to Tuscaloosa, and you've got 100,000 screaming fans. Mistakes will happen. It's just until you're there, your adrenaline's going, and you're fighting on just instinct. It's hard to make heads or tails. Like You can have all the talent in the world, but when the bright lights come on, it could be very difficult for you to lock in and focus on the task at hand. And that's what's concerning about playing young guys and putting them in important roles. Patrick Kudas at right tackle and Devin Manuel at left tackle, those guys are projected to be starters, and they don't have the Saturday experience. They don't have the experience of doing that. Now, both of these dudes are some big boys. They, they are big boys. They can handle themselves. They can block. Last year, I remember Sam Pittman, Patrick Kudis was someone who he was extremely, extremely high on. He just raved about him in practice and how he, he kept saying his time's coming. Well, his time is now. And being at the tackle position is extremely important. And it's going to dictate a lot of Arkansas success with Danny Enos' offense. They can't set up, you know, establish the run to be able to unlock the passing game and let KJ do his thing. I mean, you've got Rocket Sanders, who's the second best back in the SEC, but what does that matter if you can't block for him? If he doesn't have the holes to run to, I mean, it's just, it's a recipe not for success, but it's a recipe for disaster if you can't do your job and block for him at a high level. Really, the offensive line is, I think, going to tell us a lot about Arkansas ceiling this year. Some people keep saying, well, don't be concerned about the tackle spot. The tackles are going to be fine. Yes, against Western Carolina, I don't have any doubt in my mind that Arkansas is going to be fine blocking an FCS level team. My concern is that when we get into the meat of the schedule, when you go down to Baton Rouge and you're playing a top-ranked LSU Tigers team who has four- and five-star guys who have proven that they can win 10 games in a season and they know what they got to do, How are your sophomore, inexperienced guys going to respond? And that's the majority of my concerns right there. Now, I don't think that we'll see much of Devin Manuel. Um, He's been battling an injury. He was actually held out of that first scrimmage, and he played a little bit in that second scrimmage um, during fall camp. We will see Andrew Shambly, who's another guy that Sam Pittman has been very, very high on. But again, he's inexperienced. He doesn't have that Saturday game day experience, so... While I have all the faith in the world that Arkansas shouldn't have any issue establishing the run and looking good against Western Carolina, it does concern me going forward against stiffer competition. One guy that I haven't talked about yet is Josh Braun, who will be playing uh, the guard position. He was the transfer from Florida. He was a former four-star, borderline five-star, if I'm not mistaken, but he should be one of those guys that can really lead the offensive line. He should have no issue whatsoever. I mean, he's shown 
that he can play at the SEC level. While I think that the majority of his struggles at Florida were adjusting to Billy Napier's offensive scheme and everything like that, I don't think that it was necessarily a talent issue. But that is a little bit of my Razorback bias showing, I guess. But I have faith in Josh Braun. Sam Pittman's been very high on him. And again, Sam Pittman is the offensive line connoisseur, so I do trust a lot what he says. It's just this is the time that we can't afford to be having issues at offensive line when you have a head coach who that's his specialty. And uh, it's going to decide a lot. If Arkansas can't establish an offense and they have struggles, again, keeping KJ protected and we run into issues where we did last year, Sure, we have Jacoby Criswell, but, I mean, there's not a lot of quarterbacks in any level of football that can do much when they've got an SEC defense breathing down their neck. So, offensive line, these first three weeks, one, you've got to stay healthy, but two, you've also got to show me something and put my doubts at ease. Moving on to my fourth major storyline entering 2023, the defense overall is something that I am very, very excited to watch. Now, I don't expect this defense to go out and be be on the level of a Georgia or an Alabama defense where you've got guys swarming to the ball, getting turnover after turnover, just shutting down offenses, putting teams and holding them to single digits each game. I don't expect us to do that just because it's year one. There's a lot of new, there's a lot of new players, a lot of new faces, stuff like that. It is the SEC at the end of the day. It is Arkansas. So while I'm not expecting them to go out and lead the country in all these categories. I am super excited. One thing that I've said for the longest time is that Arkansas, to succeed at Arkansas, you've got to have a defense that, or a, just a, a team overall, not just defense, but a team overall that isn't afraid to take chances, that isn't afraid to zig when everyone else is zagging or zagging when everyone's zigging, whatever your expression is. But you've got to have, have something different. You've got to do something different. You can't Brett Bielema tried to mimic the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world where he lined it up and pounded it down people's throats and tried to play bully ball against the bullies. And we saw that it wasn't really sustainable. So at Arkansas, you've got to think outside the box and do things differently. It's just, you've got to. Until the college football landscape decides to change dramatically and the chips fall in Fayetteville, until that happens, I mean, you've just got to do stuff differently. And this is what Travis Williams, I think, is bringing to Arkansas. He had a reputation at UCF of being a guy who's not afraid to do cover zero, which is uh, cover zeros when you just basically blitz the house and you don't have any safeties back whatsoever. If your defender gets beat on the deep pass, your defender's beat. There's no one back there helping him. So that's was his reputation. It worked out for him at UCF. Remains to be seen. You know, Sam Pittman said in media days, he was like, hey, I saw some of this cover zero stuff, man. You think we could at least keep one guy back there at all times? You know, just maybe not do the full full cover zero, maybe maybe have some guy back there at all times, which I'm completely fine letting Travis Williams do whatever he wants because this dude, he has experience playing and coaching at Auburn under Gus Malzahn. He has experience, you know, playing with an up-tempo offense. He has experience stopping all kinds of defense or all kinds of offenses at UCF. What I think that he brings more than anything scheme-wise is that he brings an energy and an attitude that you're not going to get from any defensive coordinator we've had in recent history. John Chavis isn't going to come down from his press box and get after guys and relate to guys on a personal level. He doesn't bring any energy. Barry Odom, he brings fire. He's respected. He's an older guy, but he doesn't bring the energy 
and the relatability to some of these guys that Travis Williams does. Travis Williams is a guy who's going to fire someone up, and much like Sam Pittman, he's a player's coach who can really get his guys fired up to run through a brick wall for him. So not only that, but he does bring kind of a unique defensive approach, and that's kind of what I, I mean. What I was saying a while ago, you've got to have some of that unique outside off the wall kind of stuff to really separate yourself at Arkansas. And I'm super excited to see what he can do. I'm definitely expecting a lot of, uh, a lot of growing pains, a lot of, you know, in some circumstances getting burned. It's a lot of give and take with the style of defense that he's going to run. Um, I do like that. He's really put an emphasis on swarming the ball, especially with the secondary guys. That was a big issue last year, especially on third down. We would get so conservative with our defense, especially in the secondary. We would get so worried about just making sure to keep the guys in front of you that, you know, it would lead to taking awful angles. Just really a soft, not aggressive enough defense. And that's what Travis Williams is bringing. He's, he's, that's his MO is to be super aggressive. He wants to punish people he wants to quote unquote bring that wood i mean and that's that's kind of his mo and that's what we're expecting from him so that's really what i'm excited you know you've got you've got a lot of guys who have experience back there that are able to kind of put people where they need to be and bridge that communication gap that we saw time and time again last year that was a big emphasis throughout fall camp for the secondary was just communication because there were times last year that one side of the field didn't know what the other side of the field was doing and they were on two completely different pages on coverages and stuff and so that was something that they needed to really get corrected this year and that's something that i think that we'll see you've got Al Walcott, who I'm extremely high on, he was a transfer from Baylor. He'll be starting at safety alongside Hudson Clark, who I've talked about Hudson Clark before. I've written about him. You know, a lot of people dislike him because, you know, he is, he was kind of the poster child for just getting run over, being a safety and not being able to bring the hammer. But he put on some weight this year. Sam Pittman and the defensive staff have been really excited with what Hudson Clark is going to bring this year. Um, he's another veteran. Uh, at the nickel or hog spot, you've got Lorando Snacks Johnson. And then you've got the true freshman TJ Metcalf, who I think could really break into this rotation and get some opportunities because he's a super, super talented freshman that I think will be one of the key leader in our defense going forward for years to come. And he's actually listed right behind Snacks Johnson at that nickel or what they call the hog spot this year. At the corner positions, you've got Dwight McLaughlin and Jaheim Singletary, which Jaheim Singletary, he is the five-star that was at Georgia and then decided to transfer from Georgia to Arkansas. So he has really been impressive this fall camp. I mean, we didn't really know because he didn't really go through spring because he just committed during the spring. And then going through fall camp, he was definitely one of the guys that stood out and had really made a, made a point to separate himself from the rest of the competition. So he'll be starting a lot alongside Dwight McLaughlin, who we don't really need to talk about McLaughlin because his 2022 really speaks for itself. He was one of the best cornerbacks in the SEC. So I think that our secondary has a lot of potential to be much better this year than last year. I mean, it doesn't take much to go from the worst passing defense in the country to being any better, but... I think that we could see this group take a step forward because 
you've got a lot of experience. Now they've got to stay healthy. Um, depth is obviously still a concern. It's not to where you want it to be in the secondary, but that being said, I think we could expect a lot more good from the secondary and just having a new, a fresh approach to how we go about things with Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson. I think that's going to be huge for the secondary. You've also got the linebackers the linebacking group, which lost bumper pool, Andrew Sanders, who difference makers, really good difference makers and a bumper pool was hurt for the majority of last year playing through injury. Uh, but Drew Sanders is someone that it takes a lot to replace. But we went out and got Jaheim Thomas and Antonio Greer as two leaders, um, experienced seniors, guys who could really kind of take Chris Poupal and Jordan Crook under the wing. Now, Antonio Greer will not play against Western Carolina this week due to an injury. So Jordan Crook will get the start. Uh, Chris Paul will likely start. Jaheim Thomas and Chris Paul have been going back and forth as starter. They'll most likely split, get the same amount of reps, just kind of split those. But either one of those guys, I trust. I'm really high on Jaheim Thomas. I think that he he was uh, transferred from Cincinnati, so Arkansas fans saw him a little bit last year. And he actually said that that was the reason that he decided to choose Arkansas uh, was because of the atmosphere in Fayetteville when he came with Cincinnati last year. I'm very high on him. He's He, he doesn't have the size that Chris Poo Paul does. Chris Paul is, I think, going to be a very, very special player once it's all said and done here in Fayetteville. But they're listed as or on the depth chart right now, so uh, you'll likely see them splitting reps. But I think the linebacker group is in good shape. It just does not have the depth right now that uh, that you really want, which is kind of funny because the defensive line is the deepest it's ever been. And then the linebacking core and safety secondary, it just – not the depth that we need right now. That'll be something to keep in mind as we go through the season. But overall, I'm just very, very happy with how improved the defense was able to get from last year to this, uh, especially with the new staff learning new stuff. And I'm extremely excited to see what Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson can do with this defense in year one, because I think it'll shock some people. There will definitely be growing pains, but I think that we could really take some leaps and bounds of improvement compared to last year. So my fifth and final storyline for the Arkansas Razorbacks entering 2023 has to do with the special teams. The special teams with Arkansas have gotten a lot of flack, specifically Scott Fountain, the special teams head coach over the last few years, uh, mainly because there's been a lot of issues. The biggest issue last year was that we couldn't get a punt to go further than 20, 25 yards at times. Uh, Max Fletcher, the punter, really struggled to, one, keep punts inbounds, two, make them go far. And that's the two really big things that you need from your punter. And so Scott Fountain, on top of having that, uh, the special teams just really haven't been explosive. I think the last time that the special teams actually scored a touchdown before last year was when Joe Adams was returning kicks, which was a long time ago. So this year, we've got Isaiah Satania, who has kind of taken the mantle away from Bryce Stevens as the go-to punt returner. Uh, Isaiah Satania, like I mentioned earlier, he's got breakaway speed that is just, it's game-changing. And having him back there to return kicks with Bryce Stevens, who did return a punt for a touchdown last year, that could be a difference maker. Uh, you've also got Kim Little returning as the place kicker. 
and the way that he responded after missing the game winner against Texas A&M last year, just phenomenal uh, poise by him to do that, to be able to miss a, a heartbreaking gut punch of a kick to win the A&M game and then bounce back and finish the season strong with almost a 90% conversion rate. Just impeccable. So this year, special teams could be a huge difference. You know, I was talking about the difference between Arkansas being a team that just makes a bowl game, just as happy to win seven games, and being a team that could possibly win nine or ten games and be a threat in the SEC West. Well, special teams is going to play a big part in deciding what team Arkansas is going to be next year. So it's also a big year for Scott Fountain to kind of prove that he belongs and that he can get results, tangible on-field results, uh, from his guys, from his special team, and kind of make them a great position group that can really uh, contribute a lot towards winning ball games. So that's really kind of why I included this, because special teams can win you games and they can lose you games. And the margin for error in the SEC, we've talked about it, it's very thin. So special teams has got to be on it this year. All right, so those were my five storylines to watch for 2023. Uh, Moving on to just kind of my general overview of where I think Arkansas can finish up as we uh, go through the 2023 season. Uh, First off the top, I think that this is top to bottom Sam Pittman's best roster, most talented roster he's had since he's been at Arkansas. I know a lot of other people also hold that same sentiment, uh, but it's pretty much undeniable. You put two rosters up against each other from any of the previous years, it's pretty clear that the talent advantage on this roster is better than it has been in other uh, other years that Sam Pittman's been here. So with that being said, I think that Arkansas – has a pretty manageable schedule that 7-5 and five should be the absolute floor for what this team can do this year. 7-5 and five is the absolute bottom of the floor if you battle injuries, if your depth struggles, if your offensive line can't get on the same page, if some of these things that we talked about earlier, if they – don't go Arkansas's way. That's what you should be looking at is 7-5. and five. Still going to a bowl game. Still should be able to win a bowl game, but 7-5. and five. Now, my realistic prediction for what I can see this team doing next season is I think that this is a 9-win team on paper. I think that Arkansas could get a couple of bounces and actually – Realistically, I could see them winning 10 games. Will that happen? Eh, it's Arkansas. So I'm not prepared to jump out onto a limb and say that Arkansas is going to you know, win 10 games, but there's a realistic path there, man. And the path, I think, lies in this four-game stretch of SEC play, to start SEC play. You go to Baton Rouge to play LSU, then you go to Jerry World to play Texas A&M, then Oxford, then you've got Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. 
That's how you start off your SEC schedule. If Arkansas gets two of those games, it should be a cakewalk to nine games. Um, obviously, injuries are going to play a big issue, but if you can win two of those four games, you're in the driver's seat, and you never know anything can happen. Uh, you, you can get a bounce to go your way in another game. We, we've seen this happen time and time again in the SEC where another game, you know, LSU drops a game that they shouldn't. Alabama drops a game to Auburn that they shouldn't. You know, crazy stuff can happen in college football. But what Arkansas needs to do is make sure that they don't allow the crazy stuff to happen to them. They need to stay healthy. They need to be on the same page. And throughout this season, if they can do that, the talent is there. The coaching staff is there. I mean, we have not seen them coach a game and play a game. As, but on paper, this team is a team that should win. I believe they should win nine games. Realistically, I think my goal for this season is to see an eight-win team. I mean, that's just if you know you go middle of the road. We should have a repeat of 2021, basically, if things go average. You know, if, if things, you know, we – only win one of those road games to start SEC play, then probably looking more at eight and four. Um, but favorable schedule other than that four-game road stretch. So that is what really gets me excited to kind of see what – to really just watch this team this season is because it is the most talented team that Sam Pittman has had. And, you know, I think that if we do get into a scenario where – there's seven wins, and you know we are that six or seven win ball club again. Then we're really going to have to start having some uncomfortable conversations. I, I don't want to have those conversations, but I think it'll be time because we know that in the SEC, in the world of college football, it's what have you done for me lately? And you know you've got the baseball program, the basketball program hitting on all cylinders, and. I know it's a different monster being a football coach, having a football program in the SEC, but it can be done. And if Sam Pittman can win eight to nine and ten games this season, then he proves that he's the guy for the job. So that's my piece on it. I think Arkansas, my prediction, official prediction, I would put it at nine and three right now. My gut is telling me we might not get a bounce here and there. Stuff may not work out, and we could settle for 8-4. and four. And I would be perfectly content with that. But the talent is there to win nine games this year, and I think that Arkansas fans shouldn't expect anything less. All right, so that does it on the very first episode of the House of Hog podcast. Uh, I'm super excited to get to share more of these with you. Obviously, work out some kinks. Um, I'm not a professional at this yet. Uh, like I've said, and like I will continue to say, um, this is just another outlet for me to kind of get my opinion out there and just talk about the hogs. I mean, I could talk about the hogs in pretty much any sport for hours on end. And, you know, just the smartest way to do that would probably be put it in podcast form. Uh, I know that uh, I don't have the probably the greatest radio voice. I'm very unpolished at it right now, um, but I'm excited to keep doing this and then crank out some really special stuff for y'all. 
I really appreciate everyone's support. If you've made it this far, I greatly appreciate it. Definitely share the podcast. You can, wherever you're listening to it, on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever, uh, follow the podcast, share it with your friends. Definitely go follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Connor Goodson. You can follow the show on Twitter at house underscore of underscore hog. Um, Promote it on social media. Tell somebody. um, Give me feedback if you want. Uh, Like I said, this is super... uh, Super new to me, so uh, I'm just excited to be able to get to do what I love and talk about the Hogs and kind of drop my opinion and insight for all you fans. So uh, greatly appreciate it. I can't wait to do more for y'all. And until next time, you've been listening to the House of Hog podcast with Connor Goodson. Connor Goodson.